Well, guess what, Alex? What? I can no longer complain about my tiny apartment in San Francisco. Wow. Why is that? Because I moved into a bigger apartment in San Francisco. Get this, get this. I actually have a whole extra room that I can use for working out. Wow. So you have a home gym now. Uh, not quite there yet, but definitely extra space for a yoga mat and some weights. Like, yeah, I'm coming up in the world here. That's amazing. So my big news of the week is I finally found a setting in which I'm not competitive. <gasps> You're kidding. Yeah. Okay, uh, so indoor go-karting. <laughs> indoor. I cannot believe I, I could see you being competitive in that. No, uh, my wife and I did it this weekend with the kids and they went on the junior track and we went on the adult track, which was a bad move because you'd think <laughs> these people actually think they're in the Indy 500. Let's oh, just seriously? Put it that. Yeah. yeah. Oh there gosh. was a rear end incident. Uh, wow. it was bad. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, after like the second lap, I realized I don't care about this. So like, uh, please good pass time. me. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is narrow little track. I don't even know how you're supposed to pass. It was, it was just, wow. I wow. was not competitive at all. I, it, surprised even me. Wow, that's amazing. And probably a good life choice too. Yeah, exactly. My my wife currently has a minor case of whiplash after the, oh the re- being rear-ended <laughs> by one of these hyper-competitive people. Wow. So there you go. Wow. Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. I'm Alex Johnson. And I'm Jen Chamberlain. And today we're going to talk about some practical ideas for motivating yourself psychologically to achieve your fitness goals. Yeah, we've talked a lot on this podcast about finding your inner fitness why, your intrinsic motivation. And we believe you should always start there when it comes to achieving your fitness goals. But today, we're going to look at some additional ways you can motivate yourself to get back in shape, especially if you're sedentary or thinking about getting back into working out after a long layoff. That's right, Jen. We did some research and we have four different concepts around motivation we're going to explore today. And so we'll get into those in a moment. But first, I thought we'd start with something we think you shouldn't do when you're trying to motivate yourself. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so this is a new trend. It's called fitness wagering, and it's actually what got me thinking about this concept for the podcast. We wanted to cover it today because it seems a bit, shall we say, immoral, and it's starting to gain traction. So I first came across this the other day when I was uh, watching a basketball game, And I see an ad pop on for something called healthwage.com. Okay. Hmm. Wagering immoral. I got to hear more about this. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not against gambling by the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But on this TV commercial, it was endorsed by a major fitness personality, Jillian Michaels of the biggest loser fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think we want to spend time today talking about how toxic and unhealthy the biggest loser is. But let's just say it goes against our fitness fundamentals here at Practically Fit. And, you know, honestly, given Jillian Michaels' approach to fitness and weight loss in that show, I thought, okay, once I started to look into this, her endorsing this app and this website makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a number of these health wagering apps that promote the idea that a financial incentive can help you lose weight. And at its core, this is based on research that's out there. It's an interesting idea, right? Um, Right. But... And in fact, Healthy Wage, for example, there's a few of these sites, but this was the one I saw on TV, 
cites a Journal of American Medicine study that found, quote, the use of economic incentives produced significant weight loss during the 16 weeks of intervention that was not fully sustained. So they're, they're saying that this is the way to go. Um, in terms of losing weight, you make a wager with yourself. Uh, you, you assess yourself a financial penalty in, a, okay. in essence. Uh, in practice, though, I'd compare this using this service to the idea of going to a casino. <laughs> if you're familiar with gambling, if a company is promising you the chance to win based on a betting style system, I think one might want to assume that the house always wins, right? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We found a great article by Olga Lexel over on a website called The Outline that was titled, Weight Loss Wagering Apps Are a Game You Can't Win. Exactly to your point, Alex. It explains how these apps work. Basically, at the beginning of your wager, you make a bet on the amount of weight you lose in a certain time frame. And then you literally give the app your money. You only get your money back if you meet your goal. You can win additional money if you lose weight over your goal or through pots of money where the winnings are distributed evenly through members of the pot. So this is a high-level explanation of how it works. There's various parameters like height and weight that play into how much you can win. But the basic problem here, as cited in the outline article, is that studies show 95% of diets' weight loss attempts won't work. So you can see how this would be a lucrative business for companies running these apps. There's telling truth in this passage from the article, if you're thinking about using one of these. Um, it's a must-read, the article, that is. Uh, it, I'll quote from it. One of the most controversial aspects of apps like Healthy Wage is that they have a strict no-refund policy. Part of our job is to prevent you from giving up so you can't quit, the company claims on its FAQ section. Scrolling through the online reviews, it's clear why this is an unfair system. One user writes in a Better Business Bureau complaint that Healthy Wage wouldn't give them a refund even after they were diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, an autoimmune disease that causes hormonal fluctuations and weight gain. Others report having to quit their bets after realizing they were engaging in unhealthy behavior to try and meet their goals. Almost every plea receives the same reply from Healthy Wage, reminding them that the no refund policy is clearly stated, and of course Healthy Wage can't offer refunds. People who lose the challenges are the ones who keep the lights on. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. So really telling passage from that article. And again, if you're considering using one of these wagering systems for losing weight, I would recommend you go read this article um, because I agree with the opinion espoused in the article 100%. The house always wins. Yeah, not just that, but I was really concerned by uh, the person who said they were engaging in unhealthy behaviors. I watched another uh, news program over the weekend uh, where a young uh, teenager had this uh, got into something similar. It wasn't exactly wagering, but it was one of these um, sort of TikTok-fueled memes where it showed young women on these, like, very, very restrictive low calorie diets, like 300 calories a day. And they talked about, you know, like having water for lunch and things like that. And um, it was just, you know, seeing those images over and over again really influenced her to engage in unhealthy behaviors. So there's so much of this out there, so much of this toxicity, you know. Yeah, it just, like I said, I, I'm rarely one to be calling out things as immoral, but this definitely seems like, from a business perspective, pretty Im immoral. So that's what kind of sparked the idea for this podcast today, and we wanted to share our thoughts around that. And yeah, just guaranteed to print money for these companies. But as I said, beneath the surface, there's an interesting idea here. And I thought we could cover that as a to today as a part of our practical tips for motivating yourself to achieve your fitness goals. So let's dive in. 
We've got four concepts we think can help motivate you if you haven't worked out before or if you're trying to break out of a fitness funk. We think these are all great concepts for people over 40 as well. So let's start with the tie-in to that healthy wagering. Our first concept is creating a fitness contract with yourself. So again, this seems similar to what these health wagering companies are doing, but much less toxic in our opinion. Uh, And there's a a lower chance that you'll simply blow your money. Uh, It's really (laughs) a, a more positive way of thinking about betting on yourself and actually incentivizing yourself um, instead of paying a monetary penalty, you could incentivize yourself, for example, on the back end of completing a challenge. Yeah. Uh, and this comes from the world of economics, behavioral economics. We found a working paper published by a group of economists through the National Bureau of Economic Research titled Committing to Exercise, Contract Design for Virtuous Habit Formation. Uh, and so these economists constructed a study that looked to see if they could use economic concepts to nudge people to longer fitness contracts. Now, I will say one thing I didn't like about this study was that it did include the financial penalties similar to the mm, healthy okay. wagering concept as part of the contract, which again, I think is sort of a negative thing, meaning you mm-hmm. lose money if you don't work out a certain number of times a week. Uh, but the study did find that they could nudge people into longer contract periods which was really the meaningful finding to me from this study, financial penalties aside. Um, The study noted, quote, commitment contracts are low-cost voluntary means of linking future behavior, which would be difficult to sustain otherwise to present intentions. Successful application of commitment contracts to exercise for individuals who find it hard to form exercise habits is an important addition to the range of tools available to improve health outcomes. So, That led me to think, well, how do we turn this into a more positive concept? How do we uh, get rid of this financial penalty aspect and flip it to something that's more healthy psychologically? And um, actually, just in Googling around, I found something that was really great. And our friend Travis is going (laughs) to love this because Kansas State University had the answer for us. Uh, (laughs) It just came up in a random (laughs) Google search as I was uh, researching fitness contracts. There's an example of a really positive fitness contract on KSU's website, uh, and maybe we'll throw the link in the the podcast description. We'll make which will make Travis really happy. Uh, <laughs> but let me describe this contract to you. Yeah, basically, what would this look like basically. Yeah, so at the top, you fill in your name and you commit okay. to quote a healthy and active lifestyle. Uh, I really like the top the statement at the top. It says, "I realize that I will experience various life events which will conflict with my exercise schedule," which we all experience, right? We've had that the past couple of weeks. However, (laughs) I pledge to do my best to stick to my plan. So kind of a really positive opener for the contract. And the example that's on this contract is walking 30 minutes, five times a week. Great beginner fitness goal uh, for any age group. Uh, And, you know, it gives, you can put your time frame in there. Um, So I don't know what the exact time frame was on this one, but you could do it for say three months. And then you say, if, if I walk, you, get, you put your reward in. So this is where you flip uh, right. this idea of a penalty on its head and you make it an incentive. This person said if they walk 30 minutes, five times a week for the next three months, for example, then they get to buy a new pair of athletic shoes. And who so, doesn't love a new pair of athletic shoes? I know Exactly. I <laughs> so they incentivize themselves with shopping, which is awesome. Uh, it's external motivation, but I thought it was a really positive way to think about this. So... And then they talk about the activities that will support the goal. So scheduling exercise sessions on the calendar, walking with their family 
twice per week, wearing a pedometer or uh, a fitness tracker daily. A bit out, this this form might be a bit outdated if it's talking about pedometers, but it's still a great concept. <laughs> uh, setting clothes and shoes out in the evening uh, for morning walks, which is, yeah, that's a great thing to do. And tracking their completed ses- sessions on some sort of activity log or, you know, fitness app or whatever. Then they list the barriers that could get in the way of fulfilling their contract. Like if it rains outside, what will you do? Well, you'll go use the treadmill at work during lunch. If you have a really busy day, try to pack in three 10-minute walks somewhere throughout the course of the day. Split it up. If you're on a business trip, you take your old athletic shoes because you haven't gotten your new ones yet and walk first thing (laughs) in the morning. And I really love this phrase. This contract will be evaluated every Sunday and adapted if necessary. Oh, that, nice. Yeah, it fits into our whole concept of assessing your fitness goals and adjusting based on reality. So the other really cool thing about this contract um, is that it's signed by both the participant and a witness. So I think that could be a really great fitness friend who is signing the contract with you and being your accountability partner. So I thought this was an awesome contract. Jen, what do you think of this concept? I love this so much. Actually, uh, when we were doing research for this podcast, I was so motivated by this myself that I'm going to do something similar and I'm going to combine it with another idea I had. Um, You know, there's this concept of in business of sprints where you work for a set period of time to achieve a a very concentrated goal. So I've decided I'm going to go on a fitness sprint. Uh, starting now through the next six weeks, and uh, I'm going to use a contract like this like to kind of set it out. And I love the fact that it um, sets out some of the barriers and how to overcome them. Uh, it's just, I think it's just a really great concept. Yeah, way to go, Kansas State. And Jen, it sounds like you're combining the fitness contract with agile project management. Oh, yeah, so that. that. <laughs> for everyone in business, that might resonate with some folks yeah of course so expect to see my contract coming your way for sign for signature uh soon but the other thing other thing i wanted to say is a lot of the concepts that are in this uh, contract idea are also um kind of drawn from behavioral therapy and i wrote a blog post about this that talked about some of the fitness apps that are out there you know i think there's good and bad to fitness apps you can become kind of obsessive around tracking everything but some of the best parts of them, I think, are the elements that are drawn, drawn from cognitive behavioral therapy. And a lot of that has to do with positive reinforcement, with the idea of self-efficacy, which is the the belief in yourself that you can make these changes. Um, so I love, you know, I think that is really one of the strongest keys to motivation is positivity. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to you writing about how your fitness contract experience goes. That sounds like we're oh, yeah. have that story coming I'll share it with the blog too. Uh, So let's talk about our second concept. And the second one is sharing your progress, which incidentally, I kind of touched on that in the last blog post too. But I have to say, Alex, this one goes against your rule about gym selfies. Yeah, but so I think it gets to the intent behind the gym selfie. Uh, Let's keep keep talking about it, right? right? So we found a 2013 study from the University of South Carolina titled Weight Loss Social Support in 140 Characters or Less, Use of an Online Social Network in Remotely Delivered Weight Loss Intervention. Love a clever research study title. Yeah, and this really takes you back because the whole 140 character thing and in Twitter, uh, yeah, was like that feels like an eternity ago <laughs> it on so Twitter. does it so does. But anyway, at a high level, this study found that people who use Twitter 
Twitter again, to share updates about their fitness progress and workouts were more likely to lose weight over the time period of the study. So this would support the notion that social sharing around your fitness routine, including gym selfies, Alex, would track positively with achieving your fitness goals. Yeah, that that's what I took away from the study. So, I, you know, again, it's an external motivator, but I kind of had to rethink my stance on gym selfies after I read this study. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wrote about this on the blog, but it took me back way back in time to when I first uh, my first running tracker was actual little physical thing like chip that you put in your shoe and you could get shoes that were specially designed for it or you can just buy a cheap like little pouch to put it and tie it into your shoelaces this is like you know way back in the early days of tracking so I had it set to where all of my runs would upload to my Facebook account this all is like so dating me but anyway you know it was really motivating especially because I was a new runner at the time and when people would comment on um, on my runs it, you know felt really good and kept me going eventually I pulled some of my friends and found it was also kind of annoying. So I cut back on that a little bit, but I can really see, you know, how sharing your progress can be a motivating factor. Yeah. And I think if you read the study, one of the things that was cited was the social aspect of it and people who are sort of in the challenge together and they're sharing progress with each other, which motivated them. So I think that's a really important part of the concept here. And so then you start to think, okay, that was Twitter in 2013, but now we have all these different fitness apps like Strava and Garmin Connect. So really like Strava, for example, would be to me the place you would do this today or one of these other fitness apps as opposed to like Facebook or Twitter, uh, or even TikTok. There's again, there's a very positive fitness community on TikTok. So it's just interesting to think how this has evolved since 2013. They were really onto something with the concept. Uh, maybe Elon Musk needs to look at the fitness functionality on Twitter since he wants it to do everything. He wants it to be like the American version of the Chinese app WeChat. So Elon, you might have a winner there on the fitness front. Go back and read this 2013 study. Yeah, it'd be way better than a lot of what's out there on Twitter right now. I can tell you that Definitely. much. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but uh, yeah, I think also when you're talking about Strava, then you have a more targeted audience, right? Because it's other Strava users versus when I was just, you know, spamming my entire Facebook feed with my fitness stuff. People who are on Strava are generally going to be interested. So it makes more sense to be targeted that way. So I think it's a good evolution. Yeah. And something cool about Strava is you you just like naturally end up. So I, my Zwift is connected with my Strava. Mm-hmm. And because people on Zwift are all around the world and it automatically detects when you ride with them on Strava. Like oh, I end up cool. getting followers from all around the world. Yeah. Uh, and following back. And it's really cool because you see people that you have, you don't know them at all. And they're posting pictures and rides and runs and walks. Like there's somebody in England and someone in Germany and someone in Korea and someone in Kyrgyzstan. Like it's really amazing to see people all around the world enjoying fitness. So I think that's a really cool aspect of some of these uh, sharing apps as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to our third concept. And this is focusing on positive self-talk. And this is something I have quite a bit of experience with. Actually, I have the most experience with negative self-talk, but it's something I've been working on for quite some time. And um, I actually, you know, 
talked about this a little bit too on the blog, but on the surface, it might seem like being hard on yourself will lead to better results. And in the back of my mind, I always think, you know, I should really be hard on myself because then it will motivate me. In fact, it's incredibly unmotivating. It has the opposite effect. But on the other hand, I found this article from the Mayo Clinic that outlines the benefits of positive self-talk. So just listen to this. Some of the benefits, health benefits that positive thinking that's conveyed through positive self-talk could include increased lifespan, lower levels of depression, lower levels of distress, greater resistance to the common cold, better physiological and um, better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health and reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease and better coping skills during hardship and times of stress. Isn't that pretty amazing? It is. It's it's really amazing what they've linked to positive self-talk. Yeah, pretty incredible. So they, they weren't really clear as to, you know, why the specific reason why people who engage in positive thinking or positive self-talk experience this. But one theory is that having a positive outlook enables you to cope better with stressful situations, which reduces the harmful health effects of stress on your body. So I want to give some practical tips for reframing self-talk from negative to the positive. Um, these are things that have worked for me that I've also, you know, read research on. One is you have to first recognize your inner critic. So this voice that's constantly telling you negative things. You can even have a dialogue with this critic and say, you know, that's interesting that you frame it that way. You know, what it, what's the thinking behind it? So that's, that's step one is recognizing it. And then one of my favorite uh, tricks is to think about what I would say to a friend. So if I'm saying in my head something like, wow, you're such a loser for not working out today. You know, would I say that to you, Alex, or anybody else? No, of course <laughs> not. Of course I wouldn't. So that's been one of my most useful tri- tips is to uh, think about how you talk to a friend or even an enemy I wouldn't talk to that you know badly. And then um, the third one is you can identify a mantra. And, you know, I don't know. For some people, this might feel cheesy, but for me, it helps. And it could be something like I'm doing the best that I can or I'll keep working on this. Or one of my favorites is live and learn. So, you know, when you know, I didn't get to that workout because of X, Y, Z, I'm like, well, you know, next time I'll I'll have a different strategy for doing it. Yeah, and you can even incorporate the mantra into meditation if you do that. Uh, the other one on, on the negative self-talk, I feel, is like the spiraling thoughts, the rumination like we've talked about before. And so you can really derail those thoughts early if you if you are mindful and recognize that you're getting into it. And a really easy one for me is like, here I go again. What am I like? I just stop myself because you always go to these ridiculous worst case scenarios. It's like I feel I feel a little ache. Oh, it must be a life ending tumor. (laughs) And then you start thinking about it. So it's it's like getting yourself out of these patterns, as you say, uh, can have a really big impact on on the negative self-talk. Yeah, absolutely. So so, Jen, how do we sort of translate this into a practical tip for people that they can use as they're actually working out. So we found some tips in a well plus good article from a clinical health and performance psychologist named Leah Lagos. She's the author of Heart, Breath, Mind. And she talks about not only reframing your thoughts from negative to positive, she also says, quote, on a physiological level, negative self-talk can raise your heart rate, cause perspiration, and increase muscle tension. It's one of the most toxic things we can do. Yeah, and I will add to that. How many times have you done some negative self-talk? This probably happens to me. I'll say 
once a month or even every few weeks where you're doing a workout and you start to get into that negative mind frame of like, I can't, for whatever reason, it, it it's probably usually a day when you're already tired, you know, if you've had a long day at work and you just say, oh, you know, if it's a strength workout, I, I can't do any more reps. I feel really tired. Or if you're doing a bike ride or for a run, you're like, I can't, I can't go any further. And what happens the moment that you start to do that? You can't go any further. I've had you give this happen. Up. Yeah, you give up. I had this happen so many times, particularly in the early days of running. You know, if I was feeling sluggish or tired, and I'd be like, "Wow, like your your pace is so bad right now." You know, all of this in my head, and it actually it literally makes the workout harder. It actually makes you work harder, which is what this article was saying. So it's such a self-defeating strategy, right? So how do you reframe to positive self-talk while you're working out? It can be just a little tweak. So instead of saying, I'm going so slow, something I always say to myself, think this is a great pace, or this is a great pace for today, or this is where I am right now. Uh, Instead of saying, I won't make it think you've got this. You've only got quarter mile to go you got out here and did this you know so like little things like that can really make a difference not only in um in how you feel but also like your motivation to continue yeah I love the this is where I am right now like that's another one I've seen even with yoga where it's like well this pose isn't as strong as it would have been certain days right or like I can't get as deep into a stretch or a pose like this is my body today so exactly I think those are great ways to reframe when you're working out I always try to like with the running in particular I have this weird it's it's not necessarily self-talk but it's like this visualization I do where like if I feel like I'm starting to lag on my pace or if Uh, I'm getting tired. I like visualize a jet engine spinning back up. Like if you're ever sitting by the wing on the plane and you see the engine or you hear the engine spin up, it's a really um, unique sound. So I I think of that, that like engine spinning and that always helps me, you know, keep going. Um, So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of that's that's not necessarily self-talk, but it's the same kind of concept, this positive way of thinking. Uh, So that was a great one. Let's talk about our fourth and final concept of the day to help motivate you psychologically. And this is another one that you can use while working out. And it's a really simple one. It's probably something a lot of us already do, but I'm not sure we always think about why we're doing it. So uh, I wanted to talk more about today because it's a really fascinating subject. And that's using music to motivate yourself. So have you ever noticed before a big sports game when they show the footage in the locker room or even... If you go to a basketball game, um, if you if you've ever been to like an NBA game, uh, it's not even in the locker room. A lot of the NBA players will actually have headphones on on the court. Now, granted, the they'll be blasting music in the arena, right? Right. But um, you'll notice that that you know serious elite athletes like to listen to music and like to listen to their own music mm-hmm. before games, and there is a reason for this. Um, there has been a lot of research done on how music can motivate people. So we found some great research from the American Council on Exercise, on the impact of music on exercise. And they say you can track the use of music to motivate performance all the way back to Roman galleys on ships. So so these drummers, you ever seen the drummers drumming to get the rowers in sync on these big warships? So uh, according to Costas, Kara Georges from London's Brunel School of Sport and Education, he's quoted in this article, 
uh, about this research, he says, quote, music is like a legal drug for athletes. It can reduce the perception of effort significantly and increase endurance by as much as 15%. Wow. That's cool. Amazing. And so how does this work? Number one, just like these poor, those poor Roman rowers, you tend to get your exercise tempo in line with the tempo and the music, right? I mean, we've, we've all experienced this when we're doing a workout and we listen to music. Uh, the second way this works is that music tends to increase arousal, the desire to move. That's why we want to dance. Well, some of us, I don't personally really want to dance, but (laughs) (laughs) actually I do just not when people are watching (laughs) because I'm a terrible dancer, but, uh, instead of dancing, you go for a run, right? If you listen to some music. Uh, and the, the third way this works is that it actually distracts you from music can distract you from the discomfort of the exercise. Uh, so this all makes sense to me and it explains to me why if I listen to little John before I lift weights or box, I have a much better performance. (laughs) Yeah. They always play like really upbeat music in the boxing gym too. So I'm sure that's one of the reasons behind it, you know? Um, and definitely I, I think the distraction is a big, a big part of it as well. Yeah. So if you're going for a run, for example, you should pick music that matches up with the tempo that you want to run with. If you're going for a slow run, I don't recommend hardcore techno, for example, <laughs> but you, know, you really want to match that pace. Also, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I love the idea of music, but I don't think that listening to music while cycling outdoors is very safe. Just saying like, pro- so we would not advise you to be listening to music while you're riding a bike outdoors. Uh, and also, I just want to, I just want to pet peeve this for, (laughs) for runners who are listening to music on multi-use bike paths or even people walking. Like, can you please be aware of your surroundings? I don't know how many times I've been on a bike on these multi-use paths and people just like veer into my path dangerously because they have headphones on. So that's, I think the downside, uh, to this, but uh, otherwise it's a great, it's a great way to motivate yourself, uh, and in terms of, uh, your exercise. Yeah, maybe better for the gym than running. The trails here are very um, packed, multi-use trails too, so I don't think it's the safest for outdoor running here. But at the gym, like, always have to have the music on, right? Or your home gym, you can just blast it. Oh, that's right. I just blast it in my garage. (laughs) So speaking of, Jen, what are your favorite workout songs? Oh, that's a good question. I like, um, I think my favorite workout artist is the Foo Fighters. I like to put ah, just a mix of them on. But I was for a while I was really obsessed with this concept. Um so supposedly for running 140 beats per minute's like the perfect cadence. So I was looking for specific songs that had that to put into a playlist and uh I don't know, it got a little repetitive. So now I just listen to upbeat things that I like, you know. <laughs> and you can find those playlists on Apple or Spotify. Uh, True. I've seen the specific beats per minute for running. So that's kind of a cool idea if people hadn't hadn't thought of it. Um yeah, I like a lot of different uh it would be hard for me to pick a favorite song. Uh, I think we both know my 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 running race pump out pump up song, which no oh, yeah. one except for me seems to understand. But I just <laughs> think it like sets the mood perfectly, which is uh, "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins because it like starts out really slow Ugh. and then like you have to time it. You time the song perfectly to where right when the beat drops, the race starts, and you just boom out of the <laughs> you know and. It's amazing. I don't know, Alex. I, Phil Collins, I just don't. He's not a top candidate for pump-up music for me. But at, I, least, at least you didn't pick Susudio. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> you, uh, 
Uh, no, I, that's just, that is just specific to races for whatever reason it gets <laughs> okay. me really. But like, I like pretty intense or upbeat music, but hip hop or, um, like rock metal, all, you know, typical guy stuff from the 1990s. That's probably my <laughs> best pump up jock jams. Remember that? That was oh, good stuff. Oh gosh. No. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jen, that, that, that kind of wraps it up on our four concepts. Uh, what did we learn today? Yeah, I just want to kind of recap because we talked about a lot today. But I think the key takeaways are create a fitness contract with yourself. I'm going to be working on mine tonight. Uh, share your progress and practice positive self-talk and listen to music to motivate yourself. Four easy tips for motivating yourself when you might be lacking motivation or trying to get back into fitness. Yeah, we thought these were really cool concepts. Again, for your long-term fitness success, we think that you should look to your intrinsic motivation and really finding your fitness why. But um, yeah, if you've hit a, hit a rough patch where you're feeling a little unmotivated, these are the types of things that could get you going again. Or again, get you started, especially the contract right. idea, uh, which I love. So would love to hear if people take this idea on and try it out and what their experience is with it. But until next week, that's going to wrap it up. As always, please go out to practically.fit. Check out our newsletter, great content into your inbox every week. Uh, And you can also comment on the podcast there. And we'd love it if you'd you'd share the podcast with others or please rate us on your uh, platform of choice. We really like ratings on Apple podcasts but uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week until next week remember fitness is for everybody 